Welcome to King's Arms. It's great to be with you today. And wherever you're joining us from, whether you're on your laptop, whether you're watching on, with your family on TV, whether you're on your phone, whether you're up a tree, wherever you are, it is great to be together. And I'm here hosting with my lovely wife, Caroline. Yes, hello. Nice, nice to, to be, be with here. you. Oh, thank you too. And uh, we are really glad to be with you and also excited as we kind of regather after the summer. Maybe you've had a bit of time off work. Maybe you've had a vacation. Maybe you've uh, had a staycation. We had a bit of both, didn't we? Yeah. We did some river swimming. That was our thing this summer we lost loads of... of river swimming we had to stay cool and it's got to be pretty hot to get me in the river because I like to be really clean but I just make sure I keep my head right above water so I don't get any in my mouth no, you enjoyed it I think you said I you did I did that. enjoy it and, oh, and, and you and saw some otters yes I saw three baby otters three otters yeah so, that, so was... that did make it worth it and apparently if you drink a can of coke afterwards kills off any vials or anything like that yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that's official medical <laughs> advice, but anyway, uh, we uh, yeah we had a good time. So I hope you did as well, and it's great to be back as we uh, plot our course into this new uh, season, is this new term. Uh, particularly if you're joining us for the first time, if you're new, we've got something to advertise to let you know about, which is our joining course, which is coming up uh, very soon. Caroline, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it's going to be a slightly different joining course um, this term because it's going to be online. So we're doing it over two evenings, and we just want to invite anyone who's um, considering making the King's Arms their home or are new to King's Arms, you're just really welcome to come along. It'll be on the 10th and the 17th of September, and it will be from 7 to 9.45 in the evenings. And um, it's just a chance to chat to some of the leadership team and get to know a few people, to ask questions, um, have discussions, and learn a bit more about the vision of the King's Arms. So if you're interested in that, you can find out more information on the link that will come up on your screen, um, and you can also click that to sign in. Brilliant. And one last bit of news before Caroline leads us into worship, which is to say that we are uh, going to be experimenting with lots of different things this term as we work out how we gather together in this new space. Uh, and I'm, uh, over the next few weeks, 13th, 20th, and 27th of September, going to be experimenting with a, a totally different way of doing online church. And so I'm looking for some pioneers, about 30 or 40 people, who'd be wanting to try something new. You don't mind having a go at something. It might be brilliant. It might be terrible. We may never do it again. <laughs> I don't know. But I just want to have a go at something new. So if you want to join up, it's going to be uh, more interactive. We're going to have some testimonies. We're going to have a bit of worship, uh, some time around God's Word. But it'll be very different to how we've done things up until now. We need to try some new stuff, so let's give it a go. If you fancy that and you can make at least two, two of those dates, uh, then uh, click on the link uh, kingsarms.org forward slash uh, uh, raw church, and we would love to see you there if you fancy having a go at that. But come on, why don't you lead us into worship? Yeah. I think for me at the moment, I'm in a season of um, just waiting, waiting for God to answer some prayers that I've been praying for a really long time. And um, and I, God really spoke to me just this morning from um, Psalm 37. So I just wanted to start worship by reading um, a couple of verses out of Psalm 37. If you make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, he will provide for you what you desire the most. And then later on, quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. And so for me, it's worship is where my hope comes alive and where I really delight in God. And so I just wanted to pray for us as we start worship this morning. Father, we just want to fix our eyes on you. You're our strength. You're our shield. You're our rock. You're our truth. We believe your promises, Jesus. And we thank you for this promise that when we um, put our greatest delight in you, that you, um, that you don't disappoint us, that you do um, provide answers to our prayers. And so we trust you and we worship you yes. in Jesus' name. 
thank you, God, for all that you've done, for all you're doing, for our salvation, for our hope that's always in you, God. Thank you. We join with heaven today. We worship you. We've come to join the song Sung long before our lives To raise our voice alone Heaven and earth alive We've seen your faithfulness Mercy without end, a king who bled and died, a God who sacrificed. So be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations, you are worthy, Lord of to you, the slain and risen King, we lift our voice with heaven, singing worthy, Lord of all, Lord of all. Oh, you are worthy. And all through this life.
Nothing can stand this What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus You didn't want heaven without us So Jesus you brought heaven down Love was greater And what could separate us now What a wonderful name it is What a wonderful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a wonderful name it is And nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name. Perfect in every way Wonderful name And death cannot hold you The veil tore before you You silence the boast of sin and grace The heavens are
of Jesus Wonderful name Yes, Jesus, we just thank you for your wonderful name. We thank you for your name that so many of us have cried out to in times of need. We've cried the name Jesus. In times of celebration, we've cried the name Jesus. In times of coming to know you for the first time, we've cried the name Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your incredible name, the name that brings hope, the name that brings strength, the name that brings purpose the name that brings faith. We just thank you, Jesus, for the love that pours out of your name and we just celebrate your name together today. We, we say it again, Jesus, we love you. We celebrate you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are to each one of us in your wonderful name. Amen. 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 Hey, we just wanted to remind you that you can um, connect if you want to after the service um, at our coffee and chats. Uh, the details are in the chat on the side of your screen. Uh, it's a really fun way to just connect with people. I've been on there a number of times and met some new people, made some new friends. Um, so do go for that if you're interested. Um, also, we have an update from Katie just now on our call to prayer. Hey, have you heard about Tsunami of Love praying street by street? So this summer's Tsunami of Love initiative, the best way that we could think of sending love out across our town, advancing God's kingdom, was to prayer walk. And as we pray, we're asking for God's kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm pleased to say that of people who've submitted in Bedford, we have prayed for one third of Bedford streets. And we know plenty of people have been doing it elsewhere too. So thank you so much for being part and I hope that you've been blessed whilst you do it. My three highlights. One is several people who've just taken ownership of their local area. What I assume you're doing is looking at the map, seeing the tiny little closes and roads and making sure that you've got to each place and you're really owning your area and you've been telling us about the specific senses that you've had as you've prayed for those areas. Second is um, some people who've bumped into people on the street and said, I'm actually out on a prayer walk and formed some sort of connection. Some people even subsequently re-engaging, texting or meeting up with those people and offering to pray and sharing about the love of God. Thirdly, and this is my personal story, is just the, um, the way that I've been able to engage with Jesus' two greatest commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And I've just found that as I've gone out and prayer walked each day, I've been going deeper and deeper in dialogue, in prayer with God. And it has really profoundly affected my prayer life. It's been a great way to get moving. And whilst I'm moving, I can really focus on God and have a conversation with him. And like I said before, take ownership of the area I live in 
and really dive deeper into prayer with him, praying about those individual situations that I know about in my area, praying for my local school that as they return there'd be real safety over the students going back to school. And so I just want to say we're going to carry this on through September because we think we're not done yet. September's a great time to form new habits. So maybe it's when you're walking the kids to school and when you're walking back. Maybe it's going on a lunch break walk because you're working from home. Maybe you're going to message a friend and say, why don't we start meeting every Wednesday morning at 6.30 before everyone gets up. I think 6.30 is too early, but you can work out a time that fits for you. Let's just find out times, put it in your diary. I've got a recurring task every day on my to-do list that I'm gonna go for a prayer walk. And it's just become a great fuel for my personal devotion and connection with God and a great way to love those around me and to really take ownership of the people who I know that God loves. So we're going to keep going, go to kingsarms.org forward slash street by street to check up on the map and to see which streets near you haven't been prayed for yet. But even if your streets already been prayed for, let's just get out there. Let's keep praying, keep prayer walking because it is a great thing to do. Let's send out a tsunami of love. All right. God bless you. Well, every week we are loving to have just a moment to connect together, to think about some of the things that are going on around us. And in this season, this crazy season, we thought actually it's going to be really key for us to think about what's happening with the schools reopening. Uh, so much disagreement, so much uh, confusion. I don't know how you're thinking or what's going on with you about it, but it's been a topic of conversation in our house, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So how are, you, how are you feeling about it? How about the people... Um, who you're watching with the people in your home, or if you're on your own, you might want to comment in the chat section. But um, what are you thinking? Are you going back into school as a student? Are you off to uni? Are you a teacher? How does this affect um, you and your family and your world? And how are you feeling about it? And also just what hope are you going to carry in with you? That's the other thing we'd love you to talk about this morning is, is what have you got that you can take into the schools? What, you, what hope are you carrying in with you? So take a few minutes, connect with the people in your room. We'll see you in a few. Yeah, you can click on the chat if you're watching on your own. Uh, you can click live prayer if you want someone to pray with you about it. I know this is a key subject for so many right now. So let's take a couple of minutes to think about this, shall we?
Yeah, Father, we just pray for uh, massive wisdom for parents, for teachers, for head teachers, for our children, for our young people as they uh, navigate this ne next season. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which says that if we ask for wisdom and don't doubt you, are sure to give it to us. And we have a confidence, God, you are the God of wisdom, that you have the answer to every problem. And we pray for hope to be in people's hearts, to hope to be in our hearts as we look forward to this term uh, with some trepidation. We don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to end up, but we do put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. We know that you are a good father who leads us into good things. And we just thank you for your kindness to each one. We pray for wisdom. We pray for hope in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. And this is now our opportunity to give. You know, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And just um, even this week, Simon's been doing our tax return, which is always, you know, fun. <laughs> but it's also, not fun at all. It's not, <laughs> it's not fun. It's not. I was being sarcastic. Okay. It's, not, <laughs> it's not fun. But it is um, a good reminder. It serves as a reminder for us as a family to look together as a family at what we've been able to give that year. And honestly, the giving is the most fun money that we spend all year. So you can enjoy giving at kingsarms.org forward slash donate. Brilliant. <laughs> and we have now the amazing Kirsty Cook speaking to us. She's launching a new series looking at Nehemiah. So uh, sit back, listen to this. It's going to be great. Enjoy. Hello and a especially warm welcome to you. If you're tuning in for the first time today, it is lovely to have you with us. As we are at the end of the summer holidays, I've been reflecting on whether as a family we've actually managed to complete any of those jobs that we've been saving until this moment. And it would be fair to say it's a bit of a mixed bag. The hallway has been repainted and I've managed to order a new loo seat. However, the garage does still have woodworm and the washing line still needs fixing, so a way to go yet. When I was a kid, our summer projects inevitably included repair work to our garden fence. My dad was a good head teacher, a talented sportsman and a decent preacher. But he wasn't a terribly successful handyman, although he liked to think he had skills in this area. I learned a lot about digging holes, mixing concrete and repurposing nails and wood. I'm not sure I learned much about understanding what planning, materials and tools were actually required to build a structure that lasted. A few years ago, we had an extension built on our house and I marvelled at the skills of Matt who could visualise a design that would work and at the skills of our builders as they were able to take a drawing from a piece of paper and build something so precise. I watched them spend considerable time studying, planning, measuring out and laying foundations that would direct where the whole structure went. I often woke up to diggers and various machines arriving at our house and made endless cups of tea to keep the whole process moving along. I learned by watching them that in order to build a structure that would last, you needed vision, the right foundations, the right people on the job and the right resources to do the job with. Well, we're going to spend some time this term learning from a master builder in the Old Testament and one of my favourite characters, Nehemiah. I am really looking forward to seeing what God is going to teach us and have already gained loads from revisiting this book over the summer. What I love about this man is that he wasn't anybody special in many ways. He was a common man, but he was in a unique position. 
He didn't have much power, but he did have great influence. And we're going to see that this largely came about because of his character, the type of person he was. So whether you're a parent, a business owner, a teacher, a group life leader or a care worker, whatever your walk of life, there's going to be something for you to learn from this man. The book of Nehemiah is like his journal and it's alive with lessons that can change our lives and those around us. So firstly, I thought it might be helpful to have a quick history lesson to orientate ourselves as to where we are in the Bible so that we can understand the significance and the context of what Nehemiah's mission is. The book of Nehemiah tells the story of what happened right at the end of the period of time the Old Testament covers. By this time, by the time you reach this part of the story, hundreds of years have passed since God sent Moses to save the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and lead them into the promised land. Joshua conquered the land and the Israelites flooded into Canaan to claim what God had promised to them. However, they didn't obey all that he asked of them and things quickly went wrong. In the end, rather than be ruled directly by God, they demanded a king like the nations around them had. God granted their request and King Saul, followed by David and then Solomon, reigned over the United Kingdom of Israel. But in the end, the Israelites rebelled against how they were being ruled and the kingdom divided, resulting in the northern kingdom known as Israel with its capital Samaria and the southern kingdom known as Judah with its capital Jerusalem. These two kingdoms continued to be characterised by idolatry and immorality and as God forewarned, all of Israel was judged. The northern kingdom was invaded by the Assyrians and the people scattered and absorbed into cultures all over the world. The southern kingdom was invaded by the Babylonians, but those tribes remained intact even though they were then in exile. The city of Jerusalem, including the temple, was destroyed. It was a bleak time in the history of God's people and it was into this period that the likes of Daniel and Ezekiel were prophesying, explaining what was going on. However, a rescue plan was in place and when, when King Cyrus came onto the scene around 70 years after the people were exiled, we read in the book of Ezra that God moved the king's heart and he decreed that the Israelites be allowed back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple and the city. So it is into this backdrop that we meet Zerubbabel, Ezra and then Nehemiah, all three of whom played a significant role in the rebuilding of the temple and establishing the law and building the city for God's people to return to. Zerubbabel, whose story we read in Ezra, led the first and biggest group of exiles back to the Promised Land. He gave them time to settle in their homes and then set them to work rebuilding the temple. They began with the altar so they could worship God before anything else. Then came Ezra. He returned to Judah with instructions from the king Artaxerxes to carry out religious instruction and with that came significant power. Thankfully, God had trained Ezra long before his mission so that when the time came, he'd use his power well. Ezra personifies for me that it is not personal achievement that marks us out, but personal commitment to live for God. He was dedicated to studying God's word, obeying it and teaching others. Because of this lifestyle and his gifting, he was able to have significant impact. He started his ministry by calling the people to confession, repentance and action. And they responded. And this initial effort by Ezra really set the stage for what Nehemiah was going to achieve. 
Up until this point, Nehemiah had been a cupbearer to King Art Artaxerxes. This means that he was trusted to taste the king's wine, to guard over him when he slept. The king would have sought his wisdom and his advice. Nehemiah would never have risen to this position if he was not a man of great character and integrity. The king would only have chosen someone trustworthy and honest. So before we even get started, we're learning that this guy's worth a look. He's going to be a good role model for us. When he enters the story, he's heard that Jerusalem is in danger as the walls are in ruins and at that news his heart breaks. He asks the king's permission to go and rebuild the walls and as we read through we're going to see how he demonstrates amazing qualities of leadership as the walls were rebuilt in record time. His unwavering dependence on God, his belief in God's unchanging nature the fact that God is totally reliable and trustworthy, his holiness, his compassion, his power, his grace, that he is intimately near and intimately just. These are all themes that Nehemiah draws upon throughout his book. One of the most outstanding things about Nehemiah, however, is his prayer life, his constant communication with God. He talks and walks with God, and this is what marks out his success. So today, we're going to hone in on this one aspect of his character, his prayer life. And we're starting right at the beginning of the book. So we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. The words of Nehemiah, son of Halakiah. In the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year, while I was in the citadel of Zusa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, but they're in trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. So we're going to draw out seven lessons from this prayer and you might want to jot them down on your phone or a bit of paper as we go along so that you can refer to it later as you think about how you're going to apply these things. Firstly, Nehemiah prayed out of deep concern. We can see in this story that Nehemiah had a heart full of compassion when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. These were his people. He loved them. He, he cared for them. And now he was in mourning for them. He knew the promises God had spoken over their lives and he longed to see them fulfilled. 
This provoked me to think about what's the compassion levels like in my heart? How much am I longing to see those around me have their lives transformed by Jesus and see promises fulfilled? Well, there are a couple of things I know I can do to help me on this one. Firstly, I take my lead from characters like Ezra. Remember we saw how he was committed to God's word. The invisible aroma of the knowledge of God changes us. It, it softens our heart and we become more caring, compassionate, patient, loving and forgiving as we spend time in his word. We become sensitive to the spirit of God. You can't help it. The word of God is living and active. So firstly, spend time in his word and secondly, spend time with him. As, as we commune with him in prayer and meditate on his word and behold his glory in the secret place, a beautiful and unique expression of Christ is born in us. When I spend time with God, I start to see people the way that he sees them. I don't see a drunk man half asleep in a doorway being rude to people, passing him and thinking of him as aggressive and a nuisance. I see a man in pain who God loves and created for good purposes. A man who's lost his family because of his own trauma and is crying out for help. Do you see, being with God helps us to grow a heart that yearns for what his heart grows for. Think of it as a flower that turns to face the sun to grow and flourish. That's what we're doing when we turn to the Father. Next, and leading on from that, make prayer a priority over other needs. Notice the first thing Nehemiah did was to pray and fast. He sacrificed his own needs, which is what fasting is really, laying aside our own comforts or desires to seek God with our full attention. For me, I set time aside specifically at the start of every week to pray and fast for the project, for the team, for the people who we serve and the decisions we have to make. I've also found the best way for me just to start my day is with some time with God before I've really done anything else. I tend to manage this by going for a walk or a run to wake me up, but you can just as easily be in the bath or at the breakfast table or on your sofa. I do think there's something unique about capturing those first few moments of the day with God. I love what Tish Harrison Warren says in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary. In those first delicate seconds, the bleary-eyed pause of waking before tasks begin, before I get on my game, I'm greeted again with the truth of who I am in my basic self. Soon we'll get buttoned up into our identities, mothers, business people, students, friends, citizens. But as we first emerge, we are nothing but human, unimpressive, vulnerable, newly born into the day. She captures wonderfully that feeling of being with God, fully abandoned, heart open, no pretenses or agenda. And it's from that place that we can learn the value of prioritising prayer in our lives. It's absolutely key if we're to grow as disciples. Start with the thing which is most important. And that's what Nehemiah does here. Thirdly, be persistent in prayer. There was an enduring persistent about, persistence about Nehemiah's prayers. In this instance, we read he prayed for some days through the day and night. He stuck with it. We need to learn how to be persistent. When my youngest son wants something, he definitely knows how to be persistent. He can construct arguments from all angles, write notes, give extra cuddles, bargain for deals, drop hints on my Amazon wish list. In fact, he will stop at almost nothing to persuade me to buy the next Naruto book. 
I think the definition of the word persistent can in fact be used interchangeably with that of a small child, continuing firmly or obstinately in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. I was talking to a friend from our church family just a few uh, weeks ago who told me the story of when she went to work in Brazil on a project set up by a guy who went to help street orphans. She served on the project as part of a short trip, but it was his life's mission. However, a few years after she returned, she'd learnt that her friend had been in prison for 48 years for no apparent reason under the corrupt system there. She prayed for seven years for his release and eventually his sentence was reduced and he was released. That's a long time to pray for something. However, this same friend has also been praying for 33 years for her son to know Jesus. That's persistence right there, born out of love. We don't always see the answers we want right away and we don't always know what God is doing, but we do know this. He's a faithful God who hears all our prayers and tells us to keep praying. So this is what we must do. Fourthly, recognise God's awesomeness. Listen to how Nehemiah starts his prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. The Lord's prayer starts with this reverent address. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. An acknowledgement of God's unrivaled greatness. God is our friend, but he is also the creator of the universe. When we approach him, we have this amazing juxtaposition of breathtaking power and heartwarming intimacy. One of my favourite places in the UK is by one of the lakes in the Lake District and I can stand there on the water's edge on the most tranquil of days with the mountains surrounding me, sun shimmering on the surface of the lake, not a sound to be heard and have a feeling of amazing peace and well-being and safety. I can also stand on the exact same spot in an extreme storm when the wind's howling, the rain's lashing and the, sea looks like a, the lake looks like a raging sea. The mountains appear dark and ominous and the racing clouds make the sky feel low and intimidating. Same spot, same backdrop, very different feeling to the setting. God is our intimate friend, ready to be approached at any time, bringing peace and reassurance and safety. But he is also the creator of the universe, all-powerful, majestic, raging at injustices and fiercely passionate for his people. It serves us well to remember that when we come to pray, we remind ourselves of who we're praying to. And following on from this, fifthly, recall God's promises to us. When we have reminded ourselves of the God we're praying to, it can be helpful to remind ourselves of the promises he's made to us. It's not like he needs reminding. I don't think God struggles with absent-mindedness. If he starts putting the milk in the washing machine, we're all in trouble. No, it's more the practice of reminding ourselves and demonstrating to God that we've listened to his promises and we believe them. When I'm helping my kids with homework, the way I make sure they've grasped what we've done is to get them to teach it back to me. This is not because I need reminding or things explaining to me, it's because it demonstrates to me that they've really understood and for them it helps them get it in their brains. So for us going back to prophecies or promises we read in the Bible, help us take hold of what God said to us. If I'm in danger of feeling overwhelmed by all the different things going on in my life, I recall the prophecy I received about God equipping me to be like a multi-purpose vehicle, capable of carrying many things at once. And it helps me take stock and remind myself that God will give me all I need to cope. 
When I'm praying for funding for the project or wondering what we should do next, I remind myself of God's promises to protect the vulnerable and his call on all of us to do that. And it fuels my faith for the next steps. Do you see, sometimes things are specifically spoken to us and sometimes it's finding a promise in scripture which we need for the moment. Next, acknowledging our human weaknesses and failings. Nehemiah spends time confessing his sin and that of the Israelites. He knew they'd fallen short of what God had asked them to do and that they were suffering as a result. Of course, we have a considerable advantage over Nehemiah when it comes to confession and forgiveness of sins. He had to depend on animal sacrifices and the blood of bulls and goats on a regular basis to atone for his sin. Sacrifices that foreshadowed the perfect Lamb of God. In other words, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. Once Jesus died for us, his blood just keeps on cleansing us from all sin. We read in 1 John 1, 7, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our salvation is secure in Christ. But when we knowingly sin against God, we should ask for forgiveness, knowing he's already granted it. There's something significant about admitting our weaknesses, our shortcomings and our failures, knowing him draw near to us in that place of vulnerability, accepting us, challenging us and leading us on. It's all part of the dynamic of our relationship. And lastly, pray specific prayers for, for specific answers. Everything that touches our lives is important to God. There is nothing so small that it is not important and nothing so big that he cannot help with it. But to get specific answers, we must pray specific prayers. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul urges us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be known to God. I know for me, I find praying specific prayers so helpful to build my faith. Times such as being out for a walk and praying for clarity on our finances and coming home with a moment of inspiration which sorted out a problem or praying for restoration in a relationship and receiving a phone call that day to bring reconciliation helps me. It builds my faith when I'm asking for bigger things which can feel a long way off or hard to articulate. In fact, whilst I was preparing for this, I was sitting at my desk reading through Nehemiah and praying as I went, God, what do I need to do? What do we need to learn? What do I need to teach the project team through this book? What is it, God, that you're teaching us? And as I looked up, there were dragonflies dancing around outside my window. Now, around the world, dragonflies symbolise change, transformation and adaptability, as well as bringing light into dark places. I knew at once that God was answering my prayers in terms of helping me prepare for this and the coming season, knowing what we need to focus on in our discipleship. So this brings us to the end of our journey through Nehemiah's prayer life for the moment. We've learned that this master builder, who was just a common man doing his job really well, had an outstanding quality. He knew the power of prayer. He prayed out of deep concern for people. He made prayer a priority and he was persistent. He recognised the character of God that he prayed to and he was mindful of promises made. He acknowledged his own weaknesses and was specific in what he asked of God. We're going to find out a lot of other things about this man in the coming weeks, but for now we've learnt this. When you're building something, whether it is a physical space, a family, a business or indeed a lifestyle, 
make sure you're laying the right foundations. Nehemiah's understanding of the importance of prayer and the relationship he'd built with God through this is evident from this passage. I would encourage you this week to give some time to reflecting on the part prayer plays in your life. Maybe chat about it with your friends or family. Ask each other when and how you find prayer works for you. Look back over Nehemiah's prayer and the points we've been through today and think about how you can learn from him in shaping your own prayer life. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you soon. So good, Kirsty. Thank you so much for reminding us to focus on the Lord in our prayers as we face whatever situations we're going to face this term. And I'd love just to take a moment actually to, to chat to those who you've never given your life to Christ, you've never called on the name of Jesus. And I'd love to give you that opportunity now. Maybe what you've seen today or over previous weeks, you've realised that God's been calling you, he's been drawing you home to him and that now's the time for you to follow Jesus. So if that's you, why don't you just uh, use this prayer as your prayer, if you like, make this prayer your prayer and, uh, and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you today. I choose to call on your name. I choose to put my hope in you. I want you to be the one who helps me lay the foundation in my life. I thank you for saving me, for dying for me, for calling me to help you rebuild this broken world. And I choose to take that step to follow you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that's you and you made that step today, why don't you uh, click on the link, click on uh, the live chat uh, link. One of the team would love to pray with you, give you some more resources and just connect you on the next steps on your journey. And as ever, our team has also been asking God for words of knowledge and they'll be posting those in the chat. So do look for those. And if you want prayer for anything else, um, just click on the chat and you can get prayer there. But otherwise, we're so glad you joined us this morning and we'll see you again next week and really look forward to seeing you face to face sometime soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Have a great week. This is one section, but I'd, I'd be shocked if we get through it all in one hit, in one take. I'm, I'm reading out a verse about keeping hope alive, so I'm going to go with that. We like doing a lot of time. Wow, that was so quick for us. Have, oh, my goodness. That, should we do any of that again? No, that was, I think that was very good. It works? Yes. Good, babe, let's take it. And then I could say, you could do the, there's so much frustration and confusion around it, which is probably more natural because you actually read the news. And I, then I could say, <laughs> then I could say, so how, how are you feeling? You know, they're recording all of this. This is going to go out. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. I'm not ashamed. I can't handle the news. I can't handle it. You can't handle but the truth. I can't. I can't handle the news. This is how, this is how it is in our... Concentration. This is how we do at night in the lounge. It's just silent while we read. Okay. Okay? Happy with that? Oh, my days. We're going to be in bed by nine. Tom, if you didn't record that, mate, um, we're gonna, we are going to fall out. I'm sorry, out. guys. I didn't push record. <laughs>